what's up guys make sure your seat belts are buckled and your emergency brake is on and and let's just bring, bring it, it on, on. <laughs> yeah so you kind of totally forgot to also say that this is a blue army episode yeah i forgot i was too absorbed in making <laughs> that sound pretty cool you know just making sure your seatbelts are buckled i and- thought you were a diver not a pilot I am. <laughs> As he scratches his neck awkwardly. Make sure your fins are on and your, beast, your regulator is in your mouth. I, that, those sound like they would be important. <laughs> you know what else is important is today's episode. Oh, see what I did there? <laughs> I'm cringing at myself too, sorry. Um, but seriously, today we have another... <laughs> Carly's like... <laughs> so this... Hold on, before we get going, if you guys heard our announcement, we have... Carly with us, and I had to steal her sound effects for a second. It's the only time I've ever done them right. But um, Carly is uh, going to be taking over producing our show. She is our our uh, podcast intern. Super cool. Her dad is, if you didn't know, a sound guy at our church. So. Yeah, so really good person to bring in here. Like we're hoping those like sound vibes will like flow through. We already know they do. You're already like in here like what is sounds in our in her blood. But I also realize I'm putting her on the spot in this episode, but we totally need to bring her on vocally so they could everybody could just at least hear her. Yeah, at least once. <laughs> She's cringing. We gotta pull it on. So may I present mic grabbing, cord shifting, you're gonna hear it all. Carly Montez <laughs> all right so tell us well we know who you are but tell us how old you are of course where you're from and who's your pastor same as yours but i'm 15 well, my pastor another <laughs> elder yeah what's your favorite gummy bear flavor the red ones what even if they're cherry I like cherry ones. No. You know what are good? The pineapple Yes. Ones. Hallelujah. I, I like agree. pineapple. I agree. I'm totally with you. Carly, we're so glad to have you on the show. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the mic grabbing cord and all the settling wasn't too bad for you guys. Um, but we don't want to take up too much of your time today because we've got another interview and it is a little lengthy interview. Guys, don't, um, don't put these aside just because they're longer. Take it in smaller pieces. Listen to part of it. Go make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Brush your teeth, Jimmy. And then go. Hey, Jimmy, why are you looking at me? I'm looking at you because who else am I going to look at? I could look at Carly. <laughs> you look so weird, even more. Uh, I could just cross my eyes, I guess. But we have an amazing testimony. Um, many of you may even know uh, evangelist Clint Reeves did an interview with me during um, Hope Corps season. I guess it's, that's Core what I'm going to call Hope. it now. Hope Corps season in Roatan. And he has an exciting testimony. Listen in. This next person is an evangelist. I think the evangelist that we have on our Hope Corps group is here. <laughs> and um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead and tell us your name, where you're from, and uh, who your pastor is, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Clint Reeves. I'm from Calhoun, Louisiana, a little uh, town outside of Monroe, Mm -hmm. Louisiana, in in the north central part. Grew up, born and raised in the UPC church there. It is Souls Harbor now, 
formerly known as Calhoun United Pentecostal Church. Okay. And uh, I grew up under the leadership of Brother Jimmy Masters, who is my grandfather. Oh. So he pastored me for nearly uh, almost 30 years. For the last two years, a very great man uh, by the name of Julian Ryder has oh, okay. been my has been my pastor. He just came off the field to take my church, my home well, church. There you go. So it's been great. He's uh he's a great leader doing awesome things at our home church. They've been in revival. They've had 40 something pray through and Thank be God. baptized in the That's last awesome. 20 weeks. So Woo! it's been revival yeah, time. It's been yeah. awesome. I've been loving to get to hear all the reports from there. So, so it's been great. You are probably my last interview for the night and we, I've been, I was saving the time because you have a couple of stories that you, we only, I got to hear little pieces of these stories and um, couldn't help but go, these are definitely something some of these kids are dealing with. Right. And, and you may be a little bit older in these stories than mm -hmm. some of these kids, but guys, I really think that these next few things that you're going to hear, uh, if you listen to what happened and how he handled it, it could really help us all out. So go ahead and... Uh, Tell us what you're going to talk to us about. All right. So uh, I have been through a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> as a child and as a young man. Uh, whenever I was very young, I dealt with fear a lot, uh, which I know, you know, I, I know from just experience of being with other kids and everything that we talk about that you know, nightmares and, and things that trouble them during the night that are not just a fear, but a, a very spiritual thing. And yes. uh, just to, you know, kind of touch on that and, and kind of cap it off very quickly. But the Bible says that he has not given us the spirit of fear. He being God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So anything that makes us fearful is not of God. And so... Right. Uh, even before I had the Holy Ghost, uh, I got the Holy Ghost at a young age. I was eight years old, which nowadays is not so young anymore. <laughs> a lot of kids are getting the Holy Ghost a lot younger, Thank which God. is awesome. Yeah, yeah praise great. the Lord for that. But uh, before I ever even got the Holy Ghost, I, uh, I was able to pray and cast out a lot of things and, and get rid of the fear in my life. And uh, it, it was a really wonderful thing. But... One of the major events of my childhood, whenever I was four years old, I was uh, brutally attacked by a dog, and uh, that really, really... Um, that probably didn't help the fear issue. No, no, it didn't. Uh, but uh, it, it was just a, it was a terrible situation, believe it or not. My mother, whenever she, she found me, I was in our own yard. It was our family dog. Uh, that had attacked me and when she found me I was lifeless I was not breathing I had no heartbeat wow. uh, it, it was a really terrible situation she was there at the house by herself just with me and my younger brother and uh, my dad was on the road as a truck driver mm -hmm. um, that's what he did my entire growing up years mostly was uh, drive 18 wheelers mm -hmm. And so he did that for a very long time. So here she was at the house, no vehicle. So she can't oh even load goodness. me up in the vehicle to take me to the hospital. So she had to call, of course, the paramedics and the ambulance and the fire truck and all that. And uh, multiple times 
uh, both on the way to the hospital and in the hospital. I coded on them, which for those of you that don't know, that's medical terminology for my heart quit. (laughs) So there were several times that the Lord literally resurrected me uh, from the dead. And so uh, that's a very neat thing about my testimony. I've had 40 reconstructive surgeries and uh, I am covered in scars from all of that, the doctors did a very good job putting while me you, back together. While you were very young. Right. Very, very young. Uh, all those surgeries were between four years old and 15 years old. Wow. And so, uh, but on top of all of that, just with, you know, aside from the physical mm-hmm. scars that were there, uh, going to public school after all of that. Uh, as we know, kids can sometimes be very uh, unforgiving and unrelentless yeah. about some things. And so I, I got called a lot of names. I didn't have uh, a whole lot of friends. I was very introverted as a child, very, very shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not get to have the normal childhood that most kids did, including my brother's. And my cousins, they got to do a lot of things that I didn't get to do because... Well, you spent like half of your childhood in the hospital. In the hospital. Or, or in recovery. Correct. Yeah. Uh, right after the dog attack, I literally stayed three and a half months in the hospital without going home. Oh. I had a stroke, uh, could no longer walk. I was paralyzed on my right side, and God completely and totally healed and took all of that away. I have well, no trouble yeah, I walking. I would have never known. have no trouble walking, of course, no trouble talking. Uh, and as we've already mentioned, the minister of the gospel, an evangelist uh, for now full-time, an evangelist for five years. And so uh, the devil tried to take away my voice, but God is still using it today. Yes. And I'm so thankful for that. But those things outside of just the physical scars, I, I know there's probably some kids that are listening to this today that they may not have any bad scars on the outside, but I can tell you that through all of that, through the uh, mental and uh, just life in general of how people deal with certain situations, there's a lot more scars on the inside than there are on the outside. And uh, there's a sermon that I love to go and preach in places that I, uh, I have aptly titled scarred on purpose because Uh as long as you look at your situation as an accident it takes a lot of power away from god and so if you take away the power from god the only power we can have is the power he delegates to us right he said i've been given all power in heaven Mm -hmm. and in earth and so if we give him the power to say okay this was not an accident this was not a detour my scars have purpose there's a reason why I got scarred. Wow. And uh, many, many of you that are listening out there, you've dealt with some things. And I'm going to talk about a little bit more here in just a moment, uh, you know, outside of just physicality. But you have dealt with things uh, in your mind and in your spirit that yeah. have definitely uh, scarred you. And they're not accidental. God is not so far away that he does not hear your cries at night. And whenever you're praying to him and wondering why in the world is my family like this or why am I going through this situation and 
scars are not a bad thing. Right. Scars show that you survived. That's right. Like, I went through it, and I lived through it. I made it. You know, I'm still here. The kids would say, but did you die? Yeah, (laughs) true, (laughs) true. But did you die? Yeah, I like that. That's funny. We're making it funny, but, you know, in the time, it doesn't seem funny, and it doesn't seem seem hopeful. But like you said, they have purpose. Absolutely. and 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 it shows you have survived. Absolutely. And even... As hopeless as it may seem, the doctors gave me 5% chance to live. Oh, they, they believed you were going to be dead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They never thought I'd leave the hospital. And uh, even on top of the 5% chance of living, they said he would never have a normal life. They said, you know, he'd be paralyzed for the rest of his life. You'll, you won't be able to understand the words that he speaks because the paralysis to his face is going to be so horrible that that it's going to distort everything and so there there's a lot of things that the enemy uh as the song says you know what the enemy makes for evil Uh you know the lord turned it for my good and so so thankful to the lord today for what he's done so you were dealing with all of that absolutely but then you also had some an interesting dynamic in your family yes Tell us about that. So, and these two things did kind of coincide at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and kind of compounded on one another. My my dad. Uh, Who's in was, the church. Right. He, he went to church. My mom went to church. But we had a very, I guess, I, I want to use the word strange, but probably if we were to take a poll among the audience here today, it's probably not as strange as what we would think. Uh, of course, as I mentioned already, my grandfather was my pastor for many years. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in the house of a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. And so, and then on top of that, being the, the preacher's grandson. And uh, during all of that, it was just very seemed strange to me that uh, after I grew up and began to realize what went on in some of my other friends' houses growing up, it wasn't the same in mine. A very dear friend of mine, his dad would come in his room every night before they went to bed, and he would quote to him, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, (laughs) and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Every single night. And I remember spending the night with him one night, and his daddy came in there and began to do that. And I, I remember at a young age wishing my dad did that with me. Yeah. It, it really did something to me. The reason why I learned that verse was the next day I asked my buddy, I was like, what was that about? And he said, oh, my dad does that every night. Wow. And I said, teach me that verse. That was the first verse that I ever learned to quote. And my best friend taught it to me whenever we were like seven years old. Wow, shout out to him and shout out to his dad. Yeah, that, I mean, it's awesome. ju- it was just amazing. They, they are the... I was actually just talking to Sister Kendra just a little bit ago about this family, and if you looked up Christian in the encyclopedia, like their picture they're would n- be there. <laughs> like it, they're just the greatest Christians in the world. They're awesome. But I grew up in a house where we went to church, and uh, of course, part of the ministry, part of the family, yeah. you know. But yet, prayer was not priority in my home. Mm. 
prayer was not even secondary in my home. Wow. Uh, and and let's just let's just be clear. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Home. Like you need you need prayer. Yes. Like. And you need it not to be secondary. Yes. You know, it needs to right. be at the forefront. I can't remember really very many times of sitting down and talking Bible whenever I was growing up in my home. Like, there was no family Bible study. Wow. There was no, you know, my mom was a Sunday school teacher, but she taught Sunday school on Sunday at church. Oh, you know, and so yeah. it was just such a, and what really impacted and probably caused all that what predicated this problem that we had was my dad felt the call to preach on his life from a very 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 young age as did I my dad uh, his testimony is that at about six years old he heard the audible voice of God in an altar service tell him preach my word wow and he was six he was six years old and for 46 years, he ran from that call. Oh, my word. And so... Uh, I mean, he had to have been... That sounds horrible. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you know, as Jeremiah said in the Bible, whenever he... Well, actually, God told Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote it down. But God told him, he said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and I ordained thee to be a prophet. So you're, you're calling, you're gifting. God genetically designed you for that. Mm-hmm. And when you run from it, you are miserable. Yikes. And I lived in the house with a dad who was running from what he was designed and fearfully and wonderfully made to do. And because of that, he was miserable. And so, therefore... Everyone in the house was miserable. It was a very therefore, hard coming no prayer, up. Therefore, right. no focus on spiritual things. Because if he did, he would have to. He would have to it. answer to. Wow! So the everybody run. was spiritually starving because he absolutely wouldn't, he wouldn't eat. Absolutely, and so I was raised in a house. Uh, my older brother is actually a half brother, but he's been raised like my like my full brother. We mm-hmm. don't even even ever think about it. Mm-hmm. But he did not yeah, come to our house. Yeah, because when you first house. told me about that, I didn't know that he was your half brother. Right. So yeah. So uh, uh, he he moved into our house at the age of 13, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever he began to come there, a lot of issues from his mom and uh, her side of the family, but he began to live with us at 13. Then, of course, my younger brother, uh, just 19 months younger than me, were very close in age. And we all grew up in the same house, had some of the same struggles. And during this time, because of my older brother being so much older than me, he's uh, five years mm-hmm. older than me, he, uh, he kind of became, whenever he was in the youth group, he became my, my prayer partner. Mm-hmm. He oh, was cool. the one that kind of helped me. We helped one another carry the burden you know and there, there's some of you that are out there listening i know that you've got a sibling or maybe a cousin or a, or a really good friend that y- y'all are going through similar situations and what gets you through week to week day to day is those those times of prayer in your in your children's church or in your yeah. youth group or whatever it may be you know those those sundays where you you find your friend your prayer partner in the altar 
and you begin to uplift one another. And, and I mean, that's a Bible principle. Jesus said, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of, the law of Christ. And so uh, we understand that that's a very needed place in our lives. And then as we got older, I was coming into the youth group as a very young teen. And my, my older brother was about 19 years old got in a fight with my dad and left for the military. Uh, and this was during the uh, the war for freedom. That kind of seems uh, like it came out of left field. Just yeah, it just it, it was a it was a big deal. Uh, he left the day after Christmas. Ouch! And so he, being my prayer partner, helping me carry the the load and the burden of the just spiritual tension in my house. By this time, I've already started to preach. I had from a very young age been very sensitive to things in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so living in a house under spiritual tension all the time. And, and there's some, some of you out there listening right now that you're going through that and you don't know how to describe it. And, and there's spiritual tension in the house. And because of that causes you to be fearful. It causes you to be depressed. It causes you to, to worry about, you know, things from day to day that you normally wouldn't worry about if things were different in the atmosphere that you're in. And so here I am, I've got this prayer partner that just can't take it anymore, basically. Yeah. And he, he had his own issues. I'm not saying that it was all my dad's fault, it, because sure. it certainly was not. Uh, no, it, ultimately that, we make our own decisions. But. Absolutely. And by this time, my older brother had started to kind of uh, drift somewhat away from God and away from church. And so he leaves, and that left me with really no leg to lean on, no, no crutch. Uh, I had my friends that were in church, but they didn't live in the house with me. They didn't know what we went through, yeah. you know, day by day. So, so this and basically brought you to a decision point. Absolutely. It, it was, you know, either turn totally to God or turn away. And so during this time was very unique time in my life where uh, literally I sat down. I was about 15 years old. Uh, I was in high school. I carried my Bible every day whenever I went to high school. And I sat down and literally just began to write out questions that I had. And I told myself, when I do this, whenever I sit down and read this Bible, I'm going to forget that I'm apostolic. Huh. I just want to study the Word with no bias. Mm-hmm. And so I began to dig for myself. You were you were making sure this is the truth. Making sure this is this is the truth. This is, you know, do you really have to speak in tongues to have the Spirit of God? Do you really have yeah, to be that, baptized? This is that point where you're like, name? wait, I've been doing this just because somebody told me because to. Because somebody is, told me to. Yeah, and now you're like, I'm not going to do it unless it's also in this book. Absolutely. And so all these bad things that happen began to turn for the good. Just like Romans 8 and 28 says, for all things work together for the good of them that are called according to his purpose. Yeah. 
And so a lot of people believe that that means, oh, if I'm called, everything's going to be good. But no, that's not what it wish. says. All things work together for the good. Yeah. Eventually, these bad situations that you're in, if you hold fast to the call, then it's uh-huh. going to work out for the good. And mm-hmm. now, today, uh, very strange, but growing up in the same house, I've been a minister for over a decade now, and both my younger and older brother are both backslidden right now. Mm-hmm. My older brother is making a turn back to God, and I just rejoice over that. Wow. And recently I saw a vision of my younger brother coming into the back doors of the church during a blowout altar service and running so, to the front to pray through. No matter and what, so you've I'm got just, a promise. I'm, I'm waiting to see that happen. And after 46 years of my dad running from a call of God on his life, he is now uh, more on fire for God than he's ever been. He's preaching the gospel. Never too late. He's never too late. Never, never, never too late. It does not matter how long you run. God is always right there waiting. Yes. And uh, it's just amazing. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to uh, just be an encouragement that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what scars you bear, they Uh, have a purpose. Yes. They have a purpose. And you have a purpose. You have a call on your life. And don't ever forget that. No matter how bad, no matter how dark things seem to get, the smallest light shines the brightest when it's dark. It's so true. It's not always pleasant, but you can, you can survive it. That's right. You Not on your own. I mean, well, some people survive it on their own too, but they come out so bitter. Yes, yes. Absolutely. That's awesome story. Um, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank yeah. you for telling us about that. Um, HDR kids, listen, he didn't have all the support he should have had, you know, at times. Right. Uh, it was a lonely road, but he stuck it out. And he found it out for himself. Yeah. I don't know how many times we've heard today um, multiple stories where people reach that point. At a young age, guys, not when they were 20-something, not when they were 30-something, at a young age when they said, is this the truth? And am I going to stand with it? Am I going to live for God or am I going to give up? Right. So yeah. th- thank you. Was there anything else you wanted? No, any other advice you wanted to give? That's good. I, I, thank you. For, you I stayed up really late so, to do this. Yeah, I, I don't absolutely. Know what time I think it is. it's about three in the morning right now, and is so it really? it's just, I think so. It's getting <laughs> getting pretty close to three. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's been an awesome time, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I just want to be able to share the gospel and share the. Uh, the good news of what God can do, yeah, and you know, we'll, to everyone we'll all be and everywhere you to back we go. You up. Absolutely, will pray for me as I travel, and I, I just believe that God's going to do a wonderful thing in this generation to come. And revival is right at the precipice, yes. We're right there. Yes, and so I believe it's going to happen, and this generation that's listening to this podcast is going to see it happen. Thank you, Evangelist Reeves. God bless yes. you. God bless you. So, what do you think about that? Well, like I was talking to myself and you earlier, mm-hmm. uh, it's super rare to even see somebody you brought back to life. Oh, I well, yeah, right. Ra- raise your hands if you've seen somebody brought back to life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's <Exactly>. like that. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening but, in my head. Like, does their his parents or his brothers like to see him raised back? how many i don't even know how many times it's insane it's it's, yeah it's (laughs) it's not yeah like i said i said it i I think to many people when they sat down like 
these people and even you two, we should not by world standards, we should not be sitting at this table doing what we're doing. Like your family was backslidden and gone. There's been term, family turmoil, Will. You know, we've talked about it in your interview, you know, um, divorces and bitterness and all that. And exactly. you shouldn't be here. Like, I can't even believe your father's alive, right? I shouldn't be alive. We've talked about my testimony. I should be gone and in the grave and in hell somewhere. Like, it, it shouldn't have happened. And Carly, even your family history, maybe one day we will interview you. She's like, yeah, yeah. that's, she's like, that's so funny. No. <laughs> but um, even Carly, like, we really shouldn't be here. And I know it sounds, you say it like this, but like every person, when they sat down, it was just like, this should have never happened. Like, God has been so good. So exactly. for his family, can you imagine what it's like? It should really boost your faith. I think it should help to rem be able to remember that. Like the next major challenge you go through, you're like, no, look, God can do this because he brought my brother back to life. He brought my son back to life. And even after all the miracles that went through his life, just at the age of four to what was he said, like 15 or something mm -hmm. like that. So just from all the miracles that happened there, there's also some other problems like, I mean, the struggle of just having a, just a random kid just come into your family and be your stepbrother now. And, yeah. and then your dad running for like 43 years from being a mm -hmm. preacher. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to, and you living in that house, sometimes you have to deal with those consequences, right? Right. Like, you know, it's just like when your parents are having a bad day at work, <laughs> sometimes they try not to, parents try not to. And you know, we know it's not easy. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of like help their attitude out by having a bunch load of homework. And But right, like when they come home with a bad attitude, you're like, okay, we need to reassess guys because they're going to be like, if Go they're going to be- play some ping pong. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if things are stressful for your parents at work, you know it at home. And you know, whether parents should, it's hard. I, I'm not a parent. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But uh, I know it from like even a teacher side or just a leader side. It's hard to not bring things and pass them on. It's very difficult. And um, it's okay if people are aware about it. But like having all that pressure as a young man who was trying to live for God and trying to stay positive, like this dude should be like one of the bitterest guys, right? right? Um, I don't remember what story it was, but there was also another one, another uh, Blue Army story where he should be really bitter at uh, things that happened in his life, but mm -hmm. he's not. Oh, I bet you were talking about Williams. I think it was. That's yeah, kind of funny yeah. that you couldn't remember the name of the guy. <laughs> Will couldn't remember Williams' interview. <laughs> I think that's with a lot of these stories. Like think about Katie Cole, four years old and her mother walked out the door and just didn't look back, left him. Like mm. how bitter could a four, I know, I know what it's like. I know a four year old could be bitter. You guys know my story. And I mean, how bitter could she have been? And what about Cassandra? Nobody, just her and her grandma, they have no car. It's, she's Having embarrassed about things. Yeah. I just think it's amazing that through all of that, um, Brother Reeves is, as I said earlier, mentioned earlier, he's Evangelist Reeves. And still alive. Still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. Listen, he's walking, talking, functioning. He has some, still some health issues that, and I think he might've mentioned that in the interview. He still has some um, residing health issues from things that have occurred in his life. But man, if you just meet him, he don't dwell on it. He don't, he's just not like, even like, he doesn't even like, you know, use humor as to like make it seem like it's not a deal. 
it's just the way he is. He's like, it's been like this all my life and I can accept it and do something about it. Or I could, I mean, what could he do? Be mad and bitter and sit at home on a couch somewhere in a, or in a cave and, and like you said, hate everybody. And like you said, he could also be not talking very well or even walking and he's perfectly fine. I mean, I haven't seen him personally, but you have. Yeah, so yeah. And no, he's perfectly fine. And you know, if you had, um, if that had happened to him, like if he had lost his voice or if, um, he couldn't see, I don't think that would have stopped this dude. He's just, I say this dude, and I should not say that about an evangelist. <laughs> I am sorry, brother Reeves, but he was, um, he's just so like, let's get this done. And that's, that's also part of hope Corps, Just so you know, we're all, you're in that room and you're all pumped like that. But I just can tell, uh, you don't go through all those kind of things and just be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I need to do something in the kingdom of God. No, he's like, we are going to win souls. This is going to happen. Speaking of doing what you got to do, <laughs> I know I just cut myself off, but speaking of that, if you don't know why we're saying this phrase and why we always say this phrase in cheesy tones is because of season one, episode one, you got to go back and listen to it. It's the whole basis of our podcast. Yeah. Start back at season one, go through season two. We got a lot of good stuff in there for you. And, and even season three, if you haven't heard all these episodes, definitely go back and listen to those. If you like this content, go ahead and check us out on the, uh, at Instagram at the official bring it on. And uh, if you want to write to us, just check us out at the, or write to us at the official bring it on at gmail.com. Yeah, there's lots of good content up on our Instagram. We've got extra pictures, bios, different stuff that you guys can do. You can comment to us and we will try to get back to you. And we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope that you'll listen in to all the rest. Until then, keep it real and bring, bring it, it on. on.